Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Today we're going to get into week three of Greater Than. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll get going. You can get your Bibles ready. Lord, we, we thank you for your, your um, Lord, your, just, your love for us, that even while we were still sinners, that you would die for us, that you would take our place, that you would take away our sin. Lord, I pray that that revelation of what you've done and who you are would just, uh, just be an aroma about this place today, that it would just be that thing that just continually comes back to us that, as a reminder of that, and it sets the stage for everything else you want to do in our life. We thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. How many you guys know that there are like days of your life? Do you guys ever have days of your life that kind of rise above other days in your life? I mean, like where you can pick out, this was a good day. This was a great day. I mean, like June 22nd, 1996, it was a sunny day. I remember the day. I was playing pool actually before this event, but I eventually went in and I stood before my future wife and my pastor and I, I said vows. We said vows to one another. And uh, then we got in my little red Ford Escort that I'd burned the clutch out so many times. I had to replace it so many times. I got my red Ford Escort and drove off to my honeymoon. How many you guys know that was a good day for me? That was a great day. Okay. Uh, that was a great day. Uh, May, March 30th, 1998. It was a day after several hours of, of just wondering how this thing was going to turn out. Finally, I began, I, I was able to hold my firstborn son in my arms. And I remember that moment. How do you guys know there's some moments that seem to just, I mean, I can go back to that moment and I could just live there in that moment. I can remember it. It's like on pause. I can just be in that moment. And I was just amazed to just sit there in that moment. And, and that was a really, really good day. Uh, June in 1997, I woke up. I woke up in Barcelona, Spain. I walked through the streets of Spain. I found this little bakery that was opening up early in the morning, bright and early. The sun was coming down through the buildings. It's really tight, narrow areas. The, the sun was coming down through, and they just opened up, and they had just baked the, this, this chocolate donut. I, I've talked about this chocolate donut so much. I'm telling you, this was like next to salvation. This was like, I mean, it's chocolate donut. It was great. I had this chocolate donut. It's a great way to start off. Later on that day, I'd almost get arrested for preaching the gospel. It was awesome. Came that night, walked up the, the uh, La Ramba Plaza, up into the Plaza Catalonia, and sat there and had real ice cream at one of my favorite places in the world, this, this plaza. It's amazing. It's awesome. And I, as the sun was going down, that was a great day. That was like one of those that just stands above everything else. May 19th, uh, 2000, it was a rainy, kind of breezy day. I remember it well. It's the first time I walked into this place, and it was the first time I had Jack Stack barbecue. Uh, I totally made up that date. But there was a day when I had that, and it changed my life. And so, how you guys know there are certain days that you can remember? They stand out. What would be like a perfect day for you? Can you remember some of those days in your life that just kind of rise above all the other days that kind of stand out? Ever have one of those, not perfect days, but close to perfect days? June 22nd, 2016, just earlier this year, my wife and I were celebrating our 20th anniversary. So we're in Breckenridge, Colorado. And we spent that morning, we went and we got some sandwiches, we packed a lunch, and we spent six hours hiking way up into the mountains, way beyond probably where we should have been. We went and we climbed a cliff, and we were perched on the side of the rocks, high up in the mountains, 
sitting there and having lunch together, watching the rain come through. We hiked all the way down, found this little uh, nice fancy restaurant on the strip there in, in Breckenridge and had a fancy dinner. That was a great day. Why? No kids. There was no kids there. So that made it a great day. You parents know exactly what I'm talking about. We love you kids, but sometimes um, that's another sermon. Um, I would take one of those days over a thousand boring days, right? I mean, if I could somehow string together all those days and just make that my life, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? The Bible has something to say about this. It says in Psalm chapter 84, verse 10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live in the good life in the homes of the wicked. One day in the courts of God, the psalmist says, is better than a thousand outside of the courts of God. How many of you guys know that one moment in the presence of God can do something that nothing else can do? One moment in the presence of God can change anything. One moment in the presence of God can change everything. How many of you guys have ever had a moment in the presence of God? One moment where all of a sudden, whether it's at an altar, whether you're in a church service, and one moment changed everything. One moment in the presence of God did something that we could never do in a thousand moments in our own strength. How many of you guys would be honest enough to say, I've experienced moments like that? I remember myself. I was 14 years old. I was in inner city Detroit. I was on an outreach in inner city Detroit, and we were reaching uh, out to, to gang areas and all sorts of things, and we came back to this inner city church, and this pastor, uh, during this service, this inner city pastor came, and he laid hands on me during a ministry time, and he began to prophesy over me. He said, a whole bunch of things, but at the end of it, he said, one day you're going to preach to multitudes. And I just sat, I just kind of stepped back because at that moment I was thinking more about worship things and more about other things. I wasn't thinking about preaching. And all of a sudden that one moment in the presence of God, it marked me somehow. Somehow this one moment marked me. Fast forward one year later, I was in Harlingen, Texas. I was in a church service. We were having revival meetings. And, and I came up to the front during an altar ministry time. And I was just worshiping there at the front, just seeking God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody put their hand on my head. And the only way I can describe it is I felt like a brick wall that crumbled straight down into a pile of bricks. I fell out under the weight of God's power. And I laid down there on the ground. It, it doesn't happen all the time, by the way. But I laid out on the ground and, and God began to confirm the call on my life. Years later, a couple years later, I was in a worship service and I, I was just worshiping God similar to what we were doing this morning. And all of a sudden, it's like this vision kind of took over and I just began to see something. And I saw myself staring down at the floor. And as I was looking down at the floor, I was standing on some sort of stage. And it had this particular metal grating type thing. And I could see through the metal grating and there was lights underneath it. And there was kind of a metal stage. And then I looked up and I saw a few hundred people. And then it just stopped. And I was worshiping. And I was like, God, what in the world was that? Forgot all about it. Two years later, I'd actually become a youth pastor at that time. And we had, had just done a huge renovation on our youth facility. And it was the grand opening for the youth facility. And I walked out that night and I was getting ready to speak for our grand opening. And I was standing there staring at the floor waiting. And all of a sudden, it all rushed back to me. I was staring at the exact same stage. I looked up and there were the few hundred people that I saw in the vision. One moment in the presence of God can mark you forever. One moment in the presence of God can change everything. That's what the psalmist was talking about. He says, one day in the courts of our God is better than a thousand anywhere else. 
One moment when you get a word from God, has anybody ever got a word from God that all of a sudden it was the thing that you had to hang on to? And it's that one moment in the presence of God. It changes everything. You see, there's something special when we come together as a a group of believers. There's something special that God does in a church that cannot be done anywhere else because God gathers his people and there's just something unique about that. But, and even though that, that happens, that, that, it doesn't mean that that's the only way God works. See, God does something special, no doubt, but I want you to get this this morning. God's presence is everywhere. God's presence is not just in this building. God's presence is not just in this room. God's presence is in every part of the planet. I'm not talking about pantheism, which would say that God is creation and that God is in everything we touch, but I am saying that God is everywhere. There's no place on the planet, there's no place you would go that you cannot be, you, God's presence is everywhere. It's like a sponge. If you have a sponge that's filled with water, there's no part of that sponge that, that, that doesn't have water in it that you couldn't wring out. God is everywhere. It's this theological word called omnipresence. Omni simply means all presence, that God is everywhere. A.W. Tozer says it this way. Here's a quote. Let me just read it to you. He says it this way. He says, it simply means that God is here. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place. There can be no place where he is not. Ten million intelligences standing at as many points in space and separated by incomprehensible distances, can each say with equal truth, God is here. No point is nearer to God than any other point. It is exactly as near to God from any place as it is from any other place. No one is in mere distance any further from or any nearer to God than any other person. God's presence is everywhere. Listen, Adam sinned. And the next thing Adam does after he sins is he tries to do the impossible. He tries to hide from God's presence. Do you realize you cannot hide from God's presence? He tries to do the impossible in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. We see this little game that God and Adam play, okay? Watch this happen in verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? How many of you guys know that God knew exactly where Adam was at? You can't play a game of hide and seek with God and win, in other words. You can't. So he's trying to do the impossible and hide. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God's presence is everywhere. There's nowhere you're going to go where you can run from God's presence. In fact, David said it this way in Psalm chapter 139, verse 3. Through 12, he says this. He says, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. God is everywhere. 
God's presence is everywhere. It's not like God is just like a part of God is over in this place and a part of God is over in that place. No, God is fully present in every place at every time. God is fully present. God's not only present everywhere in the universe, I believe that God is present in every time ever happened. The Bible says that God saw the end. From the very beginning, he saw the end. In other words, that God sees everything happening on the timeline from beginning to end. I believe that God is somehow present in every moment of time simultaneously. Boom, that just blows my mind. Somehow God is just present every moment. God is in your future right now. God is present not because God exists outside of time. And so here's what I want you to know this morning. Here's what I want you to get. God is nearer than you know. No matter what you're going through right now, God is nearer than you know. No matter what you've done, God is nearer than you know. No matter what your struggle is, God is nearer than you know. No matter what this week has looked like, God is nearer than you know. Because God is everywhere. He's in every moment. No matter what you're going through today, what you will go through tomorrow, God is nearer than you realize. Now, if God is everywhere... If God is is in every moment of time, then why isn't God's presence experienced in equal measure everywhere? Have you ever wondered that? Like, if that's true, okay, let's say God is everywhere. There's no place on the planet. There's no place in the universe I can go without God. Then why isn't his presence experienced equally in equal measure everywhere? Let me give you just a couple thoughts. The first one is this. (laughs) It's that God is present in different ways, in different places, at different times. There are different times in history where we've seen revivals where God just downloaded something special and unique at a certain time or a certain place. You realize that God may be doing something very unique in your life that he's not going to be doing at the same time in someone else's life. And so we look at that and we say, well, why isn't God doing this for me? Well, because God does things differently at different times in different places. If we roll back to the Old Testament, you you realize that even though David said that God's presence is everywhere, that God's active presence could be located in a box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. It was carried around by by men of God, priests of God. And even though God's presence is everywhere, and even though David could not run and hide, and even though Adam could not hide from God's presence, God's active presence could be located in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. If you had Google Maps back then, you could pin it and track it. You could just follow it on the screen and say, well, there's the active presence of God. But it's no more that way, is it? Because on the day of Pentecost, God unleashed the Holy Spirit so that God's active presence isn't residing in a box anymore, but it's residing in, in our hearts. And so God's active, God has done different things at different times. And, 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 but God is still omnipresent. The second reason why we don't experience God's presence equally in, in every, every place at the same time is this, because we have to participate in the presence of God. The presence of God may be around us. Again, God's nearer than we know. But we still have to participate in the presence of God. We still have to participate. We have to recognize what God is doing. You you could go your whole life and God's presence be right there and you not participate in God's presence. So how do we participate in God's presence? The first thing we got to understand about this is, is this, is we have to cultivate an awareness. Cultivate awareness for God's presence. This just doesn't automatically happen. Yes, there are times when God comes and he reveals himself like he did to Moses in the burning bush, but hey, if you get a burning bush, great for you, but it doesn't always happen that way. 
We have to cultivate an awareness of it, an awareness around us for this. You can cultivate a lot of things in the greenhouse of your life. My wife and I, we're, we're doing garden stuff this week, and so we're planting a bunch of plants and all that type of stuff. And so we're thinking about soil and plants that are growing and plants that are dying and all that sort of thing. You know, you can cultivate a lot of things in your life. You can cultivate fear. You can cultivate worry. You can cultivate doubt. You can cultivate offense. You can cultivate praise. You can cult- cultivate joy. You can cultivate the presence of God. It all depends on what you cultivate. There's a great story in the book of Genesis. Jacob uh, is running from his past. <clears throat> and he, he sl- stops at this particular place, and he has a vision. And uh, in Genesis chapter 28, if you've got it up on the screen or got it in your, your Bibles, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. And he says this. This is one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. He says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. God had been there all the time. <clears throat> he wasn't even aware of it. But he was afraid, and he said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God. This is the very gateway of heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early, and he took a stone that he rested his head against. How many of you guys like to have a pillow uh, as a rock, a rock for a pillow? <laughs> That's what he did. And he put that, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar, and he poured olive oil over it. And he said, he named the place Bethel, which means house of God. Surely God is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. How long did Jacob go in his life having the presence of God at his fingertips and not accessing it, not being aware of it? How long have we gone, in our, how many times in our life have we gone through seasons where the power of God, the presence of God was there that we could have tapped in and cultivated, but we just weren't aware of it? And all of a sudden, have you ever had one of those moments where you just wake up and you realize, oh, God is right here now. And it's like this revelation rush in. Let me ask you a question. Have you guys ever felt far from God? Anybody ever felt far from God? Whenever you've felt far from God, it's never a matter of distance. It's only a matter of awareness. It's never a matter of distance. It's only a matter of awareness because God is everywhere. Years ago, before we started this church, I went through this season. I mean, like I said, I grew up encountering God. I grew up reading my Bible. I grew up in church. I grew up having encounters with God. And and here I am in my 20s, late 20s, and all of a sudden I went through this season where I just didn't hear God at all. I mean, it was like the heaven was shut. It was like I could not hear the voice of God. I did not feel the presence of God. I went through a few months of that, and I started to get worried. So God, I've done everything. I'd read my Bible. I confessed of every sin since I was two years old that I could think of in my life. I did everything I knew. I worshiped. I spent time. Nothing. No feeling the presence of God. Months turns into a year. A year goes by and even months. And pretty soon I get to this point where I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm numb to it. And I say, God, I've done everything. Nothing. I don't hear the presence of God. And finally I get to this point where I said, God, I know that you are here. I know that your presence is here. But let me tell you, if I never feel, and that's the word, if I never feel your presence ever again, if I never hear your voice ever again, I will serve you for the rest of my life, even if I never feel your presence again. And all of a sudden, God was doing a deeper work in me that it was not about feeling the presence of God. It was about the truth of the presence of God. And all of a sudden, all of the, the, the feelings started to rush back in. And I began to download into my spirit so many things. 
Let me ask you another question. What does it feel like to be wrong? I'm not talking about when you realize you're wrong. How many of you guys have ever realized you're wrong? Like, that's not a good moment, right? You're like, oh, crud, you know? I'm not, I'm not saying when you, when you realize you're wrong. I'm saying what does it feel like to be wrong before you realize it? It feels like being right. It feels like being right. Until revelation happens, and now all of a sudden I, I know I understand my error. In the same way, what does it feel like to be far from God? Or let, let me put it another way. What does it feel like to be in the presence of God? What does it feel like to be in the presence of God? It feels like being far from God. Until the revelation happens, and all of a sudden you have an awareness. God's presence is nearer than you know. And so I want to give you a two-part question today that I have been stewing over <clears throat> for the last several weeks. And it's a very simple question, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's reorienting my awareness to what God is doing. Very simple. You guys are going to be, maybe, maybe this is going to be an oversimplification for you, but I'm telling you, I've just, I've been asking this question to God over and over and over again. And here's the question. Part one of the question is simply this, Lord, what are you doing today? Wherever I go, I say, Lord, what are you doing today? <clears throat> Lord, you created this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, but I'm walking into the grocery store right now. What are you doing in this grocery store today? <laughs> what are you doing in our church today? Lord, what are you doing in my family today? Lord, what are you doing today? And it begins to cultivate this awareness, <clears throat> this curiosity about what God is up to. You guys realize that we lose our curiosity spiritually over time? What once used to be a wonder for us, when God, we first got saved or we first encountered the power of God, all of a sudden everything, man, we were curious about everything. We said, Lord, what are you going to do today? Lord, what, what are you up to today? And then over time, we begin to lose our curiosity towards what God is doing. Uh, according to the research of, of uh, Ralph Smith, children ask 125 probing questions per day. <clears throat> you parents didn't even need a research study for that, did you? Now, some of you guys have multiple children, right? <laughs> Jason, how many questions do you guys get in a day? That's a lot, right? <laughs> it's a lot. Multiple. Do, you have to do the math, right? 125 questions. <coughs> Excuse me. 125 questions a day. Do you realize that adults ask six probing questions a day? Somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we lose 119 questions. And it happens in our spiritual life, too. Somewhere between getting saved early on and then walking with Jesus many years later, we lose our curiosity for what is God doing today. And pretty soon, every day just starts to have its own. We begin to walk through life by memory instead of wonder. We begin to walk through life by, by, by just remembering what God did and saying, I can take it from here because I see, I've seen what God is going to do instead of that curiosity Think about the various people throughout all of the Bible and all of human history. Maybe people you know who have encountered God. We all know people who have like, man, they really, something happened. I mean, whether it be people in the revivalist areas of John Wesley, Charles Finney, George Whitfield, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, Smith Wiggles. We can just go down the list and those people encountered God. 
We can go through the Bible. We can think of Moses, Abraham. We can think of Elijah, Elisha. We can go down through the kings and see all these people who were greatly used by God. Here's the thing. They all had different backgrounds. They all had different personalities. They all had different circumstances. They all grew up in different times. What was the common denominator? A.W. Tozer, again, says it this way. He says, it is spiritual receptivity. He says, something in all of these people was open to heaven. Something in them was open to heaven. They had a spiritual <coughs> excuse me, awareness that they went on to cultivate, and it became the biggest thing in their life. Something was open to heaven. It's different than the average person. When they, they started to feel the presence of God, they did something about it. They cultivated it until it became a lifelong habit of response to the presence of God. That's the common denominator. Cultivate awareness. Second thing is cultivate availability. Because just because I'm aware does not mean I've made myself available to the presence of God. Let me give you the second part of that question that's so powerful. Second part of the question. I got this from Brady Boyd. I hung on to it. I just heard it in passing. It just, I've been just every day I've been saying this every hour. I've been saying this for weeks. And it's this, Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part? Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part? When you wake up and you're, you're sitting there with, with whatever you've got going on that day, Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part of what you're doing? You walk into the grocery store, Lord, what are you doing right now in this moment? How can I be a part of what's happening? You, you, you ask that question about our church. Lord, what are you doing in our church today? How can I be a part? Lord, what are you doing in my family today? And how can I participate in the presence of God? How can I participate in what's happening in this moment? Because it's, it's like this. I know, God, I know you're up to something, God. Have you guys ever had a sneaking suspicion that maybe somebody was going to throw you a surprise birthday party or something like that? It's like, I got this sneaking suspicion. I have no evidence, but I got this sneaking suspicion that, that they're up to something. Listen, the curiosity I'm talking about is walking around with this sneaking suspicion that God is up to something today. That wherever I walk, God is up to something. I've got this sneaking suspicion that in my family, God is getting ready to do something today because the presence of God is there. God is up to something. Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part of what you are doing? But we have to make ourselves available. I remember when I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor, and I decided that I was going to make myself available to whatever because I wanted to be around. I wanted to serve. I wanted to do whatever. Listen, sometimes God uses us when we make ourselves available, not when we give him requirements for how to be available. Come on. We got our list of like, God, you know, I'll do this and this and this. God's like, I got other people. You think I'm kidding? It's in the Bible. Happens all the time. So I decided I wasn't going to have a list. I was going to give God a blank sheet of paper and sign my, and sign my name at the bottom and, and let God fill in the rest. What most of us do is we put our list down and we say, God, can you sign off on my list? This wasn't in first service, so but I decided I was going to make myself available. And so I showed up, and I kept showing up, and I kept showing up, and I kept showing up, even probably annoyingly showing up. I would just say, whatever to do. And so, I, I mean, I'm watching the guy's kids. I'm washing the guy's car. I'm cleaning up the youth ministry building. I'm doing whatever, whatever. And because I made myself available, I got to see something that I would never have seen otherwise. You know what I saw? 
See, we would drive around and we'd do errands together because and, and, I was there because I just said, I'm going to be available. And you know what I saw from my, my youth pastor? We'd go into the grocery store, and before we'd get out of the grocery store, we'd be praying for somebody. We'd go get his dry cleaning or something like that, and pretty soon it'd turn into a counseling session. We'd be everywhere, somebody would be getting saved. And, and I, I just said, wow, I, I got to see that up close. It was no longer a show. There was no audience. I had been around long enough. I wasn't the audience anymore. This was just the real deal. You see, when you go on a mission trip, which, you know, Pastor Aaron talked about mission trips. When you go on a mission trip, I've been on several, you, you are just on heightened alert because you're just saying, God, what, Lord, what are you doing today? And how can I be a part? If you've been, ever been on a mission trip, you know what I'm talking about. You're just expecting God to do something. Lord, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part? You know what I found out about him, about my youth pastor? Is life was the missions trip. Everywhere he went, he was on a missions trip. Everywhere he went, and he wouldn't have put it in these words, but it would have been this way. Lord, what are you doing today in this dry cleaner shop, and how can I be a part? And I began to pick, pick that up and try to put that into practice. Now, now, some of us, I mean, I know we're all different personalities. Some of, uh, how many of you guys are extroverts? I mean, you'll talk to a rug. I mean, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> how many of you guys are introverts? You guys won't even raise your hands. Okay. <laughs> I'm a weird mix of extrovert, introvert. I could be up here on stage, but if you get me one-on-one, I'd, I'd rather just go and be on a stage. I'd just rather, you know, talk on a stage. Uh, So it's work for me. I understand that. And for some of you guys, it may be work too. And I'm not saying to be somebody you're not. I'm just simply saying, Lord, what are you doing today? And how can I be a part? Because God is going to use your unique gifts, uh, your unique abilities, your unique personality to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in you. Number three, we got to cultivate action. Once we cultivate awareness, availability. I'm available, God. Now we've got to cultivate an action in our heart to say, God, whenever I sense your presence, I'm going to move and and participate. Listen to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Why did he say that? Why is it difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Because if we have if we think we have everything we need, then we don't need the presence. If I think I'm comfortable enough where I don't need anything, I don't need to have the presence of God. That's why it's so difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. By the way, every person in this room, that's who he was talking to. You say, I'm not wealthy, because immediately you thought of somebody that had more money than you. Do you realize that the Bible talks to the whole, God was talking to the whole earth when he wrote these scriptures. You want to look at the, the statistics for who the wealthy people are in the whole earth? I'm telling you, every person here, it doesn't matter if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you got an air-conditioned room to sit in this morning. You are wealthy. We are wealthy. He was talking to Journey Church if he was talking to anybody. And he says, it's difficult. Let me just put it this way. How difficult it is for Journey Church to enter the kingdom of God. It wasn't, I'm not talking about salvation per se. I'm talking about entering into what the kingdom of God is, the environment, the culture, the happenings. Why is it difficult for Journey Church to enter into the kingdom of God? It's because most of the time we feel like we have everything we need. And if I have everything we need, I have everything I need. I don't need the presence. So I have to cultivate that. The the Bible says enter. Can everybody just say the word enter? Just say enter. It's a key word. 
Enter occurs many times associated with the kingdom of God. Enter through the narrow gate. Some will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things, but, but you didn't enter in because you, you didn't do the will of my Father. You can see that word enter all the time. Just because the presence of God is nearer than you know, you still have to enter in to what God is doing in that moment. You have to enter in to the active presence of God. See, the presence of God isn't in, the active presence isn't in a box anymore, but it doesn't mean it's automatically happening either. We have to enter in and participate through action by having an immediate response when recognized. God was doing a, a work in me the other day. I was walking and I was praying. And, uh, man, I was, I was just talking through this question. I said, Lord, what are you doing today? How can I be a part? And God said, I want you to change the question. Not, not change the question, but change the focus. And so I began to ask God, I said, God, what are you doing in our relationship today? And how can I be a part of what you're doing in me? And I opened up the gate for God. And let me just share, I'll just be vulnerable and just share things God was telling me. He began to, to say to me, because I opened up the door, he began to say to me, he said, I want you to understand that you are complete in me. That you don't need some sort of external validation. You don't see, need some sort of external thing to, to be a stamp on your completeness. You don't need an external relationship to be complete. He said, I, I want you to know that you don't, you're not in relationships with other people because of what they can do for you or what they can't do for you. You're complete in me. And he said, here's what I'm doing today in our relationship. You can enter into that type of life or you can stay on the outside. You see, it's a two-part question. Lord, what are you doing today? I became aware of what God was doing, but I still had to say, God, how can I be a part? And I said, Lord, I want to enter into that. Lord, I want to enter into that kind of life, that completeness. He says, that's available, or you can stay on the outside. See, it comes down to cultivating that awareness. As I said, I was walking the other day. I don't know if I, I shared this. yet. Yeah, I preach so many times, I can't remember what I share anymore. <clears throat> If I told you this one, just stop me. Um, I was walking the other day, and, and I, I, what I do is I, throughout the week, periodically, I will take prayer walks. I, I was sharing that in first service, and someone stopped me afterwards. They said, yeah, I saw you walking through our neighborhood the other day, and I thought, is that a burglar? No, it's my pastor. Okay. Because <clears throat> I, I, I start walking, and I'm very intense because I'm praying. I mean, I'm praying, I'm seeking God, and I'm on a mission and, uh, man, when I pray, I pace, and I walk. If you didn't notice, I pace all the time. Uh, try to get me to stand still. It's very hard. And so I, go, I have to go walking and praying. And so I'm praying. As I'm doing that, I round the corner over here, and all of a sudden, I smell this smell. And this smell just entered into my nostrils. And all of a sudden, this one smell, boom, all these memories, all these thoughts, all, everything just rushed in in a moment. What was the smell? The smell was I walked by the lumber yard, and all of a sudden, I smelled the smell of lumber. You see, for you, that may not mean anything, but for me, my dad was in construction. I grew up, I can't tell you how many years, I've, how many boards I've, I've cut. I can't tell you how many boards I've nailed. I can't tell you how many days I've sat in the heat covered in sawdust as a teenager and just soaking up the smell. I could tell you the different nuances of different types of wood just by smell. And so it was just this one smell that entered in, but all of a sudden, a flood of memories, a flood of all those things came in in one instance. 
That's what it's like to cultivate the awareness. You see, there was years of cultivating an awareness for God. And then all of a sudden, I could walk into one solitary moment, and I instantly understood what was happening. Thoughts layered upon thoughts before I could even think them. Do you realize that's what it's like to follow God? That's what it's like to cultivate the awareness, to cultivate the availability, to cultivate an action where it just becomes like, I mean, just like an aroma coming in and instantly. Do you realize you can go into an atmosphere of a home, maybe your home, and if you cultivate this awareness of God, you may not even know why, but you all of a sudden you know what God is doing. You may not even, it may not make sense. That's why the Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding. It guards your hearts and minds. You don't even know why you have peace. We were just talking about that this morning. You don't know why you have peace, but all of a sudden, you've cultivated an awareness of the presence of God, and all of a sudden, you have peace that you don't understand why. And it's cultivating this active response. Number four, cultivate appreciation for the presence. Cultivate appreciation. If you back up in Psalm chapter 84, verse 1, Listen to this, guys. I hope this is your heart today. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Again, we're not talking about the church building, even though God's presence is, is here in special ways. What I'm talking about is the active presence of God when you walk with God, when you feel God. And you may not always feel it, but you know that God is nearer than you, than you realize. My soul longs for the presence of God. Yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My f- heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Psalm 1611 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me ask you, have you lost your hunger for God's presence? I mean, I'm sure every person here, if you've been saved in any length of time, maybe you don't know Christ, but if you have, there was a time when you hungered after God's presence, and it was real. It was, it was active. Have you lost that better is one day in his presence? Because in his presence is everything we need. Peace is not found in externals. It's found in the presence of God. And you may be here this morning, and you may be in that season like I talked about where it just you can't feel anything, you feel numb, you feel whatever. I want you to know God's presence is everywhere and God's presence is nearer than you know right now. Psalm 84, verse 5 and 6. This is a word for somebody. I already had it confirmed in first service. This was a a right now word for somebody today. So, So if this is you, just hang on to it. 84, verse 5 and 6. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And here it is, verse 6. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. Listen, I don't know if you're walking through a valley of weeping right now, but I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is he's turning that into a refreshing spring in your life. The presence of God is right at your fingertips, and you can enter into that. And this is kind of like a cycle, okay? I want you to see this as a cycle, that whenever you start with with cultivating an awareness of God's presence, that leads to cultivating an availability. And when you make yourself available, all of a sudden you have a response of action where you can cultivate action. And all of a sudden you begin to hunger for the presence of God again. When you start hungering for the presence of God, then you become aware of the presence of God. And then you make yourself available. Do you see how that happens? Whenever we stop at any point in the cycle, it breaks the cycle. Cultivate that awareness to what God is doing in your life. I'm going to wrap up by showing you a quick clip. And uh, this clip, and I just want you to let this sit upon you today. I want you to just, just soak in this, this moment. What this moment that you're about ready to see, you may have seen this or maybe you haven't. It's not very good quality video. 
But what it is, is it's Chinese believers receiving their first copy of the Word of God. And they begin to open it up, and they begin to receive their first copy of the Word of God. And I want you to see on their face that better is one day in the courts, that hunger for God and His presence that's just pure, pure joy, that first love. So let's go ahead and let's, let's watch. Powerful, right? It's powerful. Do we still have a hunger like that? You, you may be here today and you say, I, I don't really have a hunger for that. Here's what God does for you. Here's what God does. You know what I find myself in times like that? I'll say, God, I don't. I don't hunger for you like I used to, but I want to. Maybe you need to pray that prayer this morning. God, I don't have a hunger like I used to, but I want to have that. And whenever we give that to God, we go through that process of, Lord, what are you doing today and how can I be a part? And say, God, I, I used to have that where I just would live that, but I don't have it anymore, but I want to. God takes that and he can, he can work with that. He can work with that kind of heart. And God began to show me this week that we can apply this question to every area of our life. Like I said, I've been through this week and I said, Lord, what are you doing in my heart this week? How can I be a part? I've said, God, what are you doing in my marriage this week? What are you doing in my marriage today? How can I be a part? Walking into my house, I, I walked in the other night and I said, Lord, what are you doing in my home? How can I be a part of what you're doing here? Your active presence right now. What are you wanting to accomplish this evening in our home, in our family, in our kids? Lord, what are you doing in our church this Sunday? I, I came in this morning, each and every service. I, I've I've asked specifically, Lord, what are you doing in this service? How can I be a part? Hunger for the presence of God. I'd encourage some of you guys to take a moment. You might have to hide in the bathroom or something and take a pen and a paper and just ask God some of these questions and just, just write down whatever God says. More importantly, wherever you go, God, I, I'm going, after this, I'm going to eat. But I know you're up to something, God. I got this sneaking suspicion you're up to something. How can I be a part of what you're doing? I'm not saying you're going to have a, a burning bush everywhere you go, but I'm saying the more we cultivate the awareness of God's presence, the more peace, the more joy, the more fulfillment, the more refreshing we will have because in his presence is everything. In his presence is everything. Would you guys stand up as we close?
Can you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, just to shut off all distractions? I love these times to be able to just allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak things to us during this time. While you're, while you're sitting there just in a time of focus, just some of you guys need to listen to these words. The only place in the universe where God's presence is not required to reign. The only place in the universe where God's presence is not required, his kingdom is not required to reign, is in the human heart. Why? Because God wanted to have a family. And in a family, all of you guys know, in a family, for love, real love to exist, there has to be the possibility of hate. There has to be a possibility of the opposite choice. God didn't just create us as robots to just do his will. He didn't create us as robots just to encounter his presence. He gives us a choice to enter into that or not. God gives us a free choice because he wanted real love to happen in our, in our relationship with him. You say, well, I don't believe God gives us free choice. Well, you realize even the angels in heaven had a free choice? A third of them chose to reject God and they got kicked out. You bet you there's a choice. And today, every person here has a choice. You've heard a message on the presence of God. You can choose to enter fully into that a little bit more than what you were, or you can choose to stay on the outside. But I want to present to those of you guys a, a different choice. Maybe you walked into this place and you look at your life and you say, I'm not following Jesus at all. I, I'm, if I look at my life, I'd have to say, I'm, I'm not following Jesus. The Bible calls that dead in sin means you're sin, you're stuck in sin. But I want you to know there is a choice that you can choose to follow God by faith. And what makes this possible is grace from God. You say, well, my sin, that makes it impossible because of who I am. Yeah, that's right. But Jesus did something about that. On the cross, he died. He put all of your sin and my sin upon his back. And he died and he took out sin as a problem once and for all. And he offers an invitation because he didn't stay on the cross. He rose from the grave and he says, will you enter in? Will you follow me? Will you surrender your life and take up a new life? Will you go from being dead in sin to alive in me? And the beautiful thing is he gives every person equally that same choice. That you can choose to follow Jesus. You can choose to follow God. Several hands, I couldn't even count them in the first service how many people responded. But I want to know if there's a moment, we need to take a moment out of this service. Maybe at one point you were following Jesus, but for whatever reason, you know, right now, I'm not on the road following Christ. You can come back to the Father's house, as it were. Maybe you've been in church the first time or maybe a thousand times, but you just have never surrendered your heart to Jesus. I want to make sure that we give you an opportunity before you get out of this building to say yes to Jesus and to start a new relationship with him. If that's you, would you just take a moment and just lift up your hand and put it right back down and we'll pray together. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're gonna pray together right now. This is not a magic prayer. I want you to also understand this is not the end. This is actually the starting line of a brand new life. When you say yes to Jesus, when you receive grace, God's gonna do something in you. The Bible calls it the abundant life. It doesn't mean it's trouble-free. It just means it's full of the presence of God everywhere that you go is available to you. So we're going to pray together. I'm going to loan you the words, but you've got to put the meaning in your heart. I'd ask everybody to pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for erasing my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead 
and that you offer life. And I confess that you are my Lord. You're my Savior. I surrender my life. I will follow you all the days of my life. I receive grace by faith in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that those who prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or coming back to the Father's house, that they would have this understanding that everything up until the second that they surrendered their heart just now, everything before that is gone. It's in the past. The, the, the Father doesn't see it anymore. It casts it as far as the east is from the west. It is no more. And that today, right now, in this moment of time, everything is brand new. You have spiritual DNA that's brand new on the inside. You are a brand new creation. You have been set free from sin and you've been made alive to Christ. Lord, I pray that that revelation would just consume them this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are, you are up to something today and you are up to something in our lives and we celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship one more time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.